Hi everybody, Karen Roby here for Jason Squared. The Jasons, of course, Perlo and Cipriani are with me today to talk about electric cars, uh, self-driving cars, all the hype, the future, what it all means. So Jason Cipriani, let's start with you here. Just talk a little bit uh, about the appeal of electric cars. Yeah, so about six weeks ago now, uh, I had never experienced even driving an electric car other than a short test drive in a Tesla Model S about five years ago. And Nissan sent me a uh, Leaf SL Plus, a 2019 Leaf SL Plus, which is their new high-end electric car, 240 mile range for a week to test drive and you know, just see what it was like to live with an electric car. And it instantly opened up my eyes to a world of you know, range really isn't that big of an issue, at least in, in my use case, where, you know, you don't have to worry about constantly charging your car going everywhere, um, whether it's to Walmart or the grocery store or, you know, out to a restaurant. But it also showed me that, you know, gas vehicles um, can be a little bit more expensive to run over the long run. And the appeal there for me personally was, um, just a little bit of cost savings as well as the environmental impact um, going forward. And ultimately at the end of that week, I sat down, went over the options and I, I committed to it. I ended up ordering a Tesla Model 3. Um, I took delivery of it last week. And so I've only had it for four or five days, but the electric car impact uh, or the electric car influence that driving that Nissan for a few weeks or for a few days had on me was big enough and convincing enough to make me get rid of my Honda Civic, which was great on gas and one of the most efficient cars I've ever owned and go to, for something that's even more efficient and a little bit smarter as well. All right, Jason, definitely have some firsthand experience there. Uh, so Jason Perla, let's go to you now. Your take on electric cars, uh, you know, sales obviously will pick up or it seems that they will uh, when they are more autonomous. What are your thoughts here? Well, I definitely think the secret weapon, you know, the killer app is going to be autonomous, right? So there is obviously a desire of people to want to be more green, more ecologically conscious. But as Jason said, he's correct. There is a, uh, a maintenance angle to having an electric vehicle because we are less mechanically complex uh, than, than a, uh, a, a regular um, fuel-burning vehicle. However, um, there is still an issue, I believe, with parts availability um, and service uh, availability for this particular type of car. Um, if you take a look at Tesla, um, you know, they have managed to, one is they, they've reduced this, their, their retail presence. They no longer have in-store uh, showrooms anymore and malls. They've closed them down in favor of having effectively all online sales capability, although I don't know how long they're going to be able to do that for uh, exclusively. But um, there is a very large cost to entry for being a, a third-party service provider for Tesla. Um, down here in Florida, where we do have quite a bit of Teslas, um, we don't have as many um, service organizations, third-party services, as, as I would like. You cannot really do uh, maintenance on a Tesla vehicle by yourself or obtain parts by yourself. Um, they do charge a considerable amount of money to have access to their service manuals. So that area of maturity is not there yet. And certainly we need to see what happens with the larger car manufacturers, such as General Motors, Ford, uh, and some of the uh, other European and Japanese and Korean companies to see uh, what kind of investments that they do end up making in this technology. Okay, Jason Cipriani, let's go back to you now to talk more 
you know, about the future in this realm. What's it going to look like? Yeah, so Tesla isn't the only name in the game when it comes to self-driving. The, the leaf that Nissan sent me had a, I think it was called ProPilot Assist. And basically, it's a level two autonomous driving. The driver has to be fully aware and in control of the vehicle at all times. However, the car will stay in the middle of a lane and it'll take sweeping turns. It'll slow down and speed up based on your, your, uh, your set speed limit. Um, and so Tesla does that as well. Elon Musk has promised by the end of the year that full self-driving will be available. He hasn't really qualified whether it's gonna be level three or level four. Four being you put in an address, it does city streets and can read stop signs and stop lights and all the nuances that you encounter every day uh, driving down the road. Right now, everything's pretty much designed specifically to take place on a highway uh, and take control of the car. That said, like I referenced, the, the driver has to be in full control of the vehicle. You still have to have your hands on the wheel. Even in a Tesla, there's an alert every 30 seconds or so if you remove your hands to remind you to put them back on. Um, and if it, the steering wheel doesn't feel any resistance, it actually disables autopilot for the rest of that commute or drive uh, for that time period. And the Nissan Leaf had something similar as well. It was actually, it was like five seconds. If it didn't feel anything on the steering wheel, uh, it started beeping and got crazy at you. There's still a lot of work to be done here. Even driving a Tesla and autopilot, uh, it, autopilot's almost like a nervous teenager who's trying to just guide right in between the lines. It's not as jerky as it was in the Nissan for me personally, but it, it, there's a learning curve there for the driver, learning how to trust it, slowing, up, slowing down and speeding up and staying in the lanes and taking the turns, but also for Tesla and fine tuning their algorithms. And I think that's a problem industry wide, right? We have these cameras and they have LIDAR and all these different technologies that they're using to analyze billions of data points every second to make decisions on whether to stop, whether to swerve if something's in the lane. So there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I honestly don't see full self-driving whether it's level three or level four coming out by the end of the year. I, maybe a year from now, a year and a half from now is when we'll realistically see cars that can, can take you from your driveway to the local mall and back without you ever touching the gas, brake, or steering wheel. So I think potentially, as I said, the killer app here is gonna be autonomous driving. But once that happens, once you two get to that level four that, that Jason talks about, um, you have, no need for human driver intervention in a vehicle at all. Um, the only people that will want to drive vehicles when this happens are people that enjoy driving. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you like it from a sporting uh, recreational perspective. And I think that these people, I and mean, then we're talking now 20 years plus in the future, people like that uh, it will be so far in between that they'll be marginalized, just like as we marginalize people who smoke today, or perhaps in the future, people who like eat animal meat. These will be considered sort of the fringes of society. You know, normal people will be using autonomous vehicles all the time. The other major impact that it will have on society is, and I don't think we think about it very much, is parking spaces. Today, a lot of real estate in um, commercial areas, in shopping, as well as residential and business is is, is effectively allocated to parking, parking spaces for personal vehicles. Now in the future, when you have ride share services and autonomous vehicles that can be shared, you might not even own your own vehicle. You might be in a timeshare uh, on a vehicle. You know, maybe you'll be part of a, of, a, of a service or a company that has 20 or 30 vehicles and they're at um, the disposal of people in a local area. Um, you'll have different product offerings for budget, business, um, and 
luxury as well as commercial transportation. And you will not need to own one of these cars and you won't need parking spaces for cars. So all these businesses will be able to have much smaller amount of parking spaces. They'll be able to reallocate all this commercial and residential zone areas to be optimized for foot traffic and for pickups and drop-offs of autonomous vehicles, not for parking of vehicles. So once the need for parking is eliminated, um, the way our society is structured as far as how it gets around and how we live is going to change dramatically. And, and I think it goes beyond just parking spaces. That's a great point I never even thought about, Jason. But also, what about people who can't drive, whether it's a medical right. issue? Elderly, yeah. And as we get older, uh, we're going to be living longer, but we may not necessarily still have the skills or ability to drive anymore. And, we, and we're going to want our independence as we get older. Yeah, you know, getting grandma to the doctor's appointment, having to worry about finding a family member that can take her will, will no longer be an issue because the car can pick her up, drop her off at her doctor's appointment, stuff like that. I think the impacts, drunk driving, I, I mean, you know, issues like that are going to be solved by autonomous driving that, you know, and there's use cases we're probably not even thinking of or can't even think of right now that uh, society as a whole, and not just in the United States, but anywhere that they can roll out this technology is going to be vastly improved and our lives are going to be better off for it. I mean, autonomous vehicles, according to the stats, are at least safer on the road at, in their current form. And I can't imagine once they get smarter and faster and better that that's going to change at all compared to human driving. I mean, we make mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes. There's accidents all the time. And uh, hopefully autonomous driving will eliminate a lot of those unnecessary injuries, uh, insurance claims and, and deaths. That's right. And also we have to remember the predictability of travel will improve. The, the whole idea of, well, I, I was late because I got stuck in traffic. That excuse is no longer going to fly probably 20 or 30 years from now, maybe even 10 or 15 years from now, because because of the of logistics and, all, and the computer assist and all these vehicles will know about the whereabouts of all the other vehicles, they'll be able to drive faster number one. Number two, there's no, there's no rubbernecking or, or any of those other human factor issues that are going to influence the transportation experience. So it'll be very, very different uh, how we get around, um, the speed at which we get around, the predictability of traffic patterns, the idea of, of, of having rush hour where you're sitting in, 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 on a highway in, in bumper to bumper to traffic. That will not exist anymore at all, which, is, which will be amazing. You know, I'll, I'll be easily give up my car uh, and my driving privileges just to never have to deal with that ever again. Yeah, I work from home. So my commute is about 70 feet out to my office that's outside. But we take a lot of trips to Denver and around the state of Colorado and traffic is. Oh, I know what that's like. I absolutely hate it. If you, think, if you think Denver's bad, you should see what Miami looks like. So. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. All right, guys. Well, hopefully by taking the human element out of the equation, uh, our transportation system will be smoother, uh, safer, hopefully, and involve less headaches uh, for all of us. So thank you both so much for your discussion on this and much more debate and conversation to come on Jason Squared. Thanks so much for watching.